0: Good morning, my name is Stan Gale, and uh, I am filling in for Max, Pastor Max, while he is on sabbatical, filling in the pulpit this morning, and we are working our way through the epistle of James. I think we found it to be very practical teaching from God for us. Our text today is James 3, verses 1 through 12. So give ear, please, to the reading of God's holy, inspired, and errant, and infallible word. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This ends the reading of the very word of the living God. The title of this morning's message is Taming the Tongue. Let's pray. Father, as we pull up our chairs to sit at your feet, I pray, O Lord, that You would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and wills to obey. I pray against the efforts of the evil one who would distract us, who would pluck up the seed of truth sown by Your Spirit this morning. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to You now as we incline our ear to the teaching of Your Word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, James has already touched on the topic of the tongue, and by tongue it's a metaphor for uh, the words we use or what we say. In chapter 1, James urged us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And there we saw that words are the weapon of choice in the hand of anger, And then later in the chapter, chapter 1, James described for us true religion. Religion before God. Religion that God desires. And listen to how he describes it. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, in chapter 3, James returns to the topic of the tongue. This time, though, James is not just going to mention the tongue. He's going to major on it. Over half of the chapter, half of chapter 3, has to do with the tongue. And earlier in chapter 1, when James tells us to be slow to speak and to bridle our tongues, Now, here in chapter 3, he explains to us why it is so urgent that we be slow to speak. Why it is so important that we bridle our tongue, keeping it under control. But there's something else that I think we want to get at this morning. Why does James put such emphasis on on the tongue? Why does he give so much of his epistle over to the words that we speak, what we say? Well, I think part of the answer to that we get at through understanding wisdom literature in the Bible, wisdom literature like Proverbs or um, wisdom Psalms or Ecclesiastes. And we see that the wisdom genre, the wisdom literature in the Bible is replete with teaching about the tongue. That probably struck you when we were uh, listening to Proverbs 18 being read. Piles of instruction coming about the tongue from all sorts of different directions. And we see that as common in wisdom literature. For example, let me read a couple other uh, samples from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 12: There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15:1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 13:3 Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 16.24 Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 29.20 Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And one more. Proverbs 25.11 A word... Fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And so God, as He gives this wisdom perspective to us, speaks about the tongue. And so James, as we've identified, James is like the, the Proverbs of the Old uh, Proverbs of the New Testament. It's no surprise that He gets into detail about our speech. About the tongue. This morning, we're going to explore James' analysis of the tongue. And then we're going to close by answering two questions. One, why is instruction on the tongue a part of the Bible's wisdom teaching? And two, how do we tame our tongues? So we're going to analyze what James says Then we're going to answer those two questions. So we begin with two observations from James about the tongue. And I'm going to express both of these negatively. Because you'll notice that much of what James says about the tongue comes to us in a negative expression. All right, so first, don't underestimate the power of the tongue. Don't underestimate the power of the tongue. Um, When I was growing up, uh, we didn't have Cartoon Network that showed cartoons 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When I was growing up, we had to wait for Saturday mornings. And so I'd wake up and plop myself on the sofa and watch uh, shows like uh, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and the Jetsons and Quick Draw McGraw. Another cartoon that I would watch was Mighty Mouse, a uh, rodent, a pint-sized powerhouse with the abilities of Superman. Well, that's how James characterizes the tongue as a pint-sized powerhouse. James begins his teaching on the tongue by talking about teachers. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You know, we think of various occupations and their instruments, their tools. What's what's the primary instrument for or, or tool for a pilot? Well, it's an airplane or a tennis player, it's a racket. What James says is that the primary tool for a teacher is the tongue. A teacher carries out his or her job by using words. And James issues a warning, a warning, a very stern warning about becoming a teacher. Saying that those who teach others are held to a stricter standard. Now that should not surprise us because we saw that we see it in the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' harshest words were not for the sheep. They were for the shepherds of the sheep. His harshest words for those were those who were false shepherds, false teachers who led the sheep astray. And so his harshest words were for those who presume to teach the Pharisees, teachers of the law, who led the sheep away for themselves. But then James goes on to say this tool that the teacher possesses, this tool of the teacher's trade, every single one of us possesses this tool. Verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body now this word for stumble we've seen this before in james in verse 10 of chapter 2 is that forever keeps the whole law but fails in one point that's the word stumble translated fails in that case what james is saying is he's pointing out that One of the ways that we sin is by what we say. We can sin by what we say. We can stumble. We can fall. We can fail by the words that we use. We are accountable to God for the words that we use. Jesus, in Matthew 12, said this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now, James goes on to illustrate for us this outsized significance of our words. Verse 3: For, it, I'm sorry, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And it is something, you think of these massive horses, you know, towering horses, and you, you just Put the, the bit in their mouth as part of the bridle and you can steer them. You can lead them along. You can direct them this way or that way. Or with their hand on the till, we can, uh, the pilot can steer this massive ship, huge, with a very small rudder. And navigate even stormy seas safely. And James says this, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now what is James illustrating here? He's illustrating the, small, the power of the tongue. Though it's small, it can do great things. But he emphasizes wherever the will of the pilot directs. And what he's pointing out to us here is our responsibility He is reminding us that we have control over what we say. Now, we can't control what other people say, but we can control what we say, and we are responsible before God for the words that we use. We saw that in one of the Proverbs I mentioned. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And so that the other person might be yelling and screaming and berating us but we can turn that wrath away with a gentle answer. We don't need to respond in kind. And James is saying here, our hands must be firmly on the controls of our lives. Responsible for what we say. And then James sums up his point in verse 5. He says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts... Of great things. What does boasting have to do with anything? How how is that a contrast? Why is James bringing up boasting? Well, let's see the way that James understands boasting. Let's see what is involved when he speaks of our tongues boasting. Look at verse 14. We're not looking at studying, examining this week in detail, but look, it just gives us a profile. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Or the next chapter, uh, verse 16 of chapter 4 as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And you get an idea here of some of the things that are feeding into this boasting that James talks about that we can give our tongue over to. Selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy. Falsehood. Arrogance. James uses the word boasting here uh, to set us up. To set us up for his instruction on the danger of the tongue the danger the tongue possesses but here james is reminding us that the tongue our tongues the words we use have remarkable power but there is with our tongues a clear and present danger so that we must always be on our guard all right that leads to the second observation james makes First is don't underestimate the power of your words, power of the tongue. Second, don't disregard the danger of the tongue. Don't disregard the danger of the tongue. Uh, the tongue, when you look at it, it's a very small part of the body, but its potential for harm is unmatched. Going on in verse 5 how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You know, it seems like a These California wildfires, they're always in the news. There's another one this year, somehow related to Yosemite National Park. Uh, But 2020, evidently, was an epic year for for wildfires in uh, California. It was record-setting. Almost 10,000 fires burned over 4 million acres of land, destroyed... Homes and properties to the tune of $10 billion. The uh, California Forestry and uh, Fire website, web whatever it's called, CAL FIRE uh, for short, says that uh, approximately 95% of all wildfires in California are sparked by human activity. And so what they did, uh, CAL FIRE, initiated a one-less-spark, one-less-wildfire campaign. And the whole emphasis there was instructing people on how to prevent, how to safeguard against wildfires. James expresses the same thing to us when he talks about the tongue. Only... With the tongue, the consequences are far, a far greater proportion, far more serious implications. Forest fires can damage property. It can take lives, but the tongue can inflict devastation on lives and relationships. The tongue can ruin reputations and it can sow seeds of discord. And the tongue, these fires of the tongue, they smolder. Maybe even over a lifetime. And they can flare up. And to make matters worse, the tongue can never be domesticated. Or, to use the fire imagery, I guess, never be contained. Look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Kind of reminds you of a pet. You know, even the most docile dog or cat uh, can lash out if you bother it enough my grandkids have learned that lesson the hard way but i think what james is talking about here is something like taking a wolf in or as a pet or a bobcat as a pet even from a little pup or kitten whatever they're called the thing is those wild animals have a nature that can never be trusted no matter how part of the family they seem. And James says, that's the way that our tongue is. We can never let down our guard. Never allow our tongues to be unsupervised. And that's why James says, "In these, listen to these terms. And he's speaking to brothers and sisters. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people of faith. He's speaking to us. He goes on in verse 8. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have you noticed that James' entire take on the tongue has been negative? Why do you think it is? I think it's because we need to see The danger. We need to see how serious the danger is. We need to take his caution on the tongue seriously. It is an incendiary device, a deadly poison, a restless evil, a world of unrighteousness. It can stoke the very fires of Gehenna, of hell. James goes on now to give us a picture of the tongue in action. Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You hear what he's saying he's saying the tongues that we use we just use to, to sing all these songs of praise to sing how great thou art these tongues that we were reciting the great truths of the faith the heidelberg catechism this, these tongues that we were using to confess our sins in the sight of god these are the same tongues that could be instruments when we step out this door to stab our brother and sister in the back And James is saying that it's not a matter of just your church family, it's everyone, the way that we speak about anyone. Why? Because all people bear the image of God. All people are created in the likeness of God. And so what that means is this. When we tear down others with our tongues, we are not only assaulting them, we are dishonoring the God whose image they bear. James brings the argument to a head with a gentle reminder in verse 11 Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs, neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. And basically, I think what he's saying is he's reminding us who we are. He's reminding us who we are as believers, as a people of faith, as Christians. He's calling us to live in a manner worthy of our calling. If by God's grace we are light, then we are to be light. kind of brings to mind the whole idea of James when he's teaching in chapter 1 about being double-minded or to be single-minded, true to who we are in Jesus Christ. Let me close by answering the two questions I mentioned at the outset. First, why is instruction on the tongue a consistent part of the, uh, of the teaching in wisdom literature, in the Bible's wisdom genre, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, and the like? It's because the way that we use our words shows what kingdom we are a part of light or darkness and it shows the way we use our tongue shows what king we serve our speech is a distinguishing mark of holiness holiness means that we are set apart we're set apart from something to something we're set apart from from the world in a sense, even though we're in the world, but we're set apart to belong to Jesus Christ. The way that we use our tongue is a prime way that the kingdom of God becomes visible to others. The way we use our tongue is a primary way that the kingdom, the invisible kingdom of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ, becomes visible to others around us people take notice when we don't take god's name in vain people take notice when we don't punctuate our speech with profanity or if we're going to tie it into what james has already taught us in his epistle our words are to be governed by the royal law all right this is participation here what is the royal law He remembers. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Our words are to be governed by the royal law. Let me give you one illustration. That means that when your friends at school start saying mean things about others or making crude jokes or tearing down a teacher or a classmate you do not join in because you represent jesus christ and you are to love your neighbor as you do yourself all right that's the first one the second question is how how do we tame our tongues and by tame I mean train it to be obedient to the commands of God. By tame, I mean train our tongues to be obedient to what it is that our God wants of us. So that we use our, our words are not harsh, but gracious. Not cruel, but kind. Not rash, but thoughtful. All right, there are there two ways to tame the tongue? One is to recognize your inability to tame it. Recognize your inability to tame it. What did James say? Verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. Tell me about it. And what that means for us is that we need to seek God. We need to cry out to Him every single day. Here are two prayers from the Psalms to help us. One negative, one positive. The negative one is from Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because James has told us what's, what's in there. What's, set a guard. And then the positive is from Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How do we tame the tongue? First, recognize our inability, our inability to tame it. Secondly, consecrate your tongue. Consecrate your tongue for good and not not for evil. James points out that we can do two things with our tongue what? Bless or curse. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us purpose to use our tongue to bless. The Apostle Paul gives us helpful guidance in this when he says this, Do not let any unwholesome, any unedifying talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may our words bring glory to our Father in heaven. And may they bring praise to the Lord whom we serve.